When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Whenever we do the one, two, three clap thing, the dogs get really confused. They may be interrupting our podcast at some point to ask for something. They're just so demanding, these dogs. But that's okay because they give us love. I saw a really cute dog yesterday. It was so sweet. Really? What kind of dog was it? I have no idea. I think that's always interesting. Dad, every single time someone tells me they're from Chicago, I always go, oh, my dad's from Chicago. And they always have the same follow-up question, which isn't an absurd follow-up question, but it's, oh, what part? And I never can remember. Southwest side of the city by by Midway Airport. Yeah, Pulaski Avenue was the the street that we lived on. Oh, my gosh. I remember the street. Okay, wait. When you say southwest side? Southwest side of the city. Most people, when they say, like, we're in Chicago, they're thinking of a suburb. Like, you know, if you said you were from Atlanta, people would say where, and you would name a suburb of Atlanta, Marietta or wherever, Roswell, Duluth, you know, and then... But in Chicago, same thing. It's a big metro area. But we actually lived in the city of Chicago in a little Polish neighborhood on the southwest side, which um, yeah, it's a little different now, but it's um, it's still there. Our house is yeah. still there. Well, that's <laughs> what I've told a lot of people too is I'm like, oh, I'm not sure the certain area, but I know that it was a very Polish area. Right. And they tell me that that doesn't help a ton. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh. <laughs> exactly. I just, I, yeah. <laughs> but now I know. Now you know. But uh, so you saw a dog at the park or no, you saw a dog. No, not at a park, <laughs> but elsewhere. And it was very cute. Extra cute. Yes. Little dog, big little dog, dog, little dog. It just wanted to come and snuggle with you. If you sat down on the ground, it would just come and like sit in your lap. It's so sweet. I love that. Uh, I just got back from the dog park and there were like 15 dogs there this evening. Yeah. It's really quite the regular crowd. I was telling mom, like, I've got friends there now. <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm going to go see That's my friends. Sweet. I know. I think you should go with me tomorrow and meet my friends, honey. I'm sick. It's I kind know. of like, <laughs> it's kind of like those friends that, you know, you know, school friends that you had in elementary school, middle school, high school that you only saw in school, never outside. And it was that like that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's similar to that. You know, they're, they're yeah, part friends. A, there is a weird degree of like familiarity where you have the same conversation and it's like, what kind of dog is it? How old is it? And, oh, that's so sweet. And, and how, you know, the temperaments or whatever, like, it's really curious because Spencer is a little dog and Simon's a bigger dog. So we go in the big dog park and there are some really big dogs in there. There's one of Spencer's best friends is a 200 pound Great Dane. I don't know if Spencer would say that's his best friend. No, it's not his best friend, but they get along really, really well. And it's just so cool to watch. Anyway, so you have a lot of dog conversations, but when you transcend <laughs> dog conversations, then it's like, okay, now we're in like people territory talking about life and stuff. And so, you know, you got to expand your boundaries, <laughs> make new friends. That's what we're doing. Man. Well, so, what we're doing right now is filming a podcast. Oh, and yeah. I feel like the best way to start that is to roll the intro music. Let's do it. Max and Dad's. Wholesome chaos, Max 
This podcast, we're going to talk about love, <laughs> among other things. And the love of my life is not feeling so well, but that's okay. She's still here, and uh, her <laughs> voice just sounds a little different than normal. Every day above ground is a good one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't mean it like you're still here. I mean, you're... <laughs> You're still she on the podcast. She feels terrible, but it's okay because she's still here. Because she's still alive, <laughs> and that's all that matters. Um, Man, no. So, what's up with your car? <laughs> I'm carless. You're carless. I. Here's the thing. I decided I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to take my car in because if you are new to the podcast or just don't know the details of my car, there's a few things wrong with it. The tires don't really hold the pressure. Um, the maintenance required buttons on, there's this thing hanging underneath my car. So every time I, not every time, but a lot of the times when I reverse, it flips it the other way. And then it's like, makes a really loud scraping noise. So I have to park my car, grab my skateboard, get out. You just rip that I, sucker right off of there. No, you no, just never no, go no, in no, reverse. No. I, take, <laughs> I take my skateboard and I go to the front of my car and I go under my car and I hit it with the skateboard until it flips the other way. I do oh, this yeah. all That's the good. time. And so I was like, maybe I don't have to live like this. And so I made an appointment a few days ago to take my car to the shop. And so I woke up early this morning to take my car to the shop um, to drop it off at 10. That was what I booked online. That Well, that's what they booked online. Actually, I reached out and they said, drop it off at this time. And so I go, I pull up. It's so close to my house. Um, Excellent. Is that I, how you found it? Just convenience? Or did you get a recommendation? Um, convenience, the reviews were good for the most part. Um, and so I walked up and started talking to the only person who I saw working there. And I was like, hi, like, uh, I'm here to like drop off my car. And he was like, what's wrong with it? I said, oh, you know, it needs maintenance and there's like something hanging from it. And he was like, oh, well, we can't do it right now. What? And I told him, I was like, I... I booked online, like you guys told me to bring it in at this time. And he was like, okay, just leave your car. We can't do it right now, but like, just leave your car. (laughs) (laughs) This was like 10 hours ago. I have no idea when I'm getting my car back. Oh, it could be days. Just depending on what they need to fix. Shouldn't they tell me something? And shouldn't they tell me what they need to fix before they do it so they don't just give me a bill? Well, you need to tell them that. You need to say, hey, um, before you do any work, give me an estimate. Sorry, I'm not going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you sound great, baby. Get, you sound good. I get swindled kind of easy. I'm working on it. Well, I think you lose your confidence in those situations and you don't ask enough questions. You just kind of well, go with the flow. People do try and swindle you. Mm-hmm. I know. And mechanics get a bad reputation. But look, it's, you know, when you find a, an honest mechanic, they're worth their weight in gold, yep. honestly. We, um, we've had a few of those over the years, and then now we have the Tesla, which doesn't need maintenance, so that's cool. But um, maybe you should get a Tesla. Maybe I should have. I know. Brother, <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm, I mean, I'm I not kidding. I don't know if I am. I don't know if I'm kidding. But we'll then see how much- in California, they're like saying you can't charge your cars now, right? Um. Well, that was – I don't know if it's still – Huge, huge issue, but yeah, like last week and the week before, we were having really bad power outages, and so you you usually aren't supposed to charge your car during the day just because the city uses a lot more electricity during the... Actually, that doesn't even make sense. Air conditioning. Wouldn't like... Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, 
But yeah, I also heard that the whole city of LA, like power companies were shutting off the power for like minuscule increments at a time to try and keep the whole city's power from crashing. (laughs) That is so crazy. I mean, I know. It's, we, li- we live in a time where it's it's almost impossible to know what's real and what to do and what's happening and what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And all we can do is just kind of be true to who we are and what we believe in our values. And the rules are always changing. Rules are always changing. Try to find love and take care of the sick ones in your life. I think <laughs> I think Mama's uh, sickness might be stemming from the smoke in Reno yeah. that we encountered because we Actually? were well, well. That's what I thought originally, but no. It's a virus. You don't think so? No, that's what I thought for two days because my throat really hurt when we were there. I could like taste the smoke, but um, no, it's a virus. So we were out there. We I had a speaking trip that took me to three different cities, to Dallas, to Reno, and then back to Texas, to um, McAllen, Texas. And great speeches, great audiences. We might get into telling a few things about those because I learned a lot but while we were in Reno, we spent a couple of days with Eddie and Morgan in Lake Tahoe area, which is beautiful, rented a house. Um, but yeah, the largest fire right now in California is the Mosquito Fire, which had burned 64,000 acres and displaced like at the time, 100, um, no, 11,000 11, 11, residents, families from their homes. Um, and it was continuing to grow. It was like only 20% contained. So hopefully they get that under control. But depending on how the winds shift, it was only like 40 miles away. So like one day it was beautiful outside and really pretty. And then another day you don't want to be outside much at all because it just, you know, you you feel like headache and you feel nasty and it hurts to breathe, you wear masks, all that stuff. Yeah, that's brutal. That's so scary. That's one of those things where even with the power too, I kind of feel this to an extent where as humanity we have – like, I guess, as humans, where we live, just like what we've become accustomed to, we tend to feel pretty powerful, like pretty in control of your situation. You know, you, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I unnecessarily and okay, just unjustifiably confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And like, Certain things like that, like a power outage, your AC going out, your Wi-Fi going out, a fire, like you become so instantly helpless. Think about think about food, Maggie. Like how Yeah. I mean, how often do you have to eat to not be hungry and not feel like your food needs are taken care of, right? Imagine if that gets interrupted. And it doesn't I don't care who you are or how much money you have, but if you can't get food, then you're not gonna be in the same frame of mind for very long. So yeah, real uplifting, wholesome chaos <laughs> podcast so far. Yeah, so love. Um. love. Uh, yeah, that's stemming from a question we, we got, which we're going to get into <laughs> later. Um, but um, yeah, Morgan was telling me about the folks who live in Reno, Tahoe, all that area. Yeah, there's a smoke season where they're just kind of accustomed to the fact that this happens most years, not every year, but a lot of times. And she's like, yeah, people, a lot of people have just a go bag packed ready because you don't want to be thinking about what to pack when they say okay now it's time to evacuate your house and could you so could you imagine that you just got like a go bag of necessities to you leave and then just hope that your the rest of your house doesn't burn down but it might yeah like it could crazy that's so scary mm-hmm. yep the um so your car is it going to be do you know what's wrong with it yet or they still haven't called you 
I know. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe you call them and then just say, hey, before you do repairs, let me know what this is going to cost me. That would be wise. Yeah, well, they're probably closed right now, but I will get on that first thing in the morning. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So one of the things I wanted to tell you about with this speech in Reno, since that's where we're on now, was the audience was a group of people. It was like the technology system that they use to connect and run um, Native American tribes. And I learned something I didn't know, which was how many tribes do you think there are in the U.S.? Like different, how many different independent Native American nations? Oh, my gosh. Take a guess. Is it a lot or a little? It's a lot more than I thought. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say 272. That's a lot, right? Wow. Okay. Five, 576. <laughs> wow. And all of these tribes that are like little nations within the United States. They're sovereign governments. And some of them are really big, like the Seminole Native Americans and the uh, tri Cherokee tribe and some of the bigger ones that you know and heard, heard of, but most of them are really, really small. And so... They have to like run their own constitution, board, their councils, their, you know, they have their own sovereignty. And I don't know, it's just really, really interesting learning about that and spending time uh, among all those people. That was really, really interesting, really cool. I, I actually found um, some papers of my mom's when I was going through her stuff when we were packing to move here, um, where she was contacting some of the, the tribes to find out whether, um, we actually are Seminole. Really? Yeah. On my granny's side, there was a um, a girl. I, I don't know. I, I was like, what? what? <laughs> How come I didn't hear about that? But I've always been told that I look Native American by Native Americans. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think so. I'm like, oh, yeah, you definitely are. <laughs> so I need to get I, tested. I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, but anyway, it was very interesting. I learned a lot about... Um, just different groups. And also I learned a lot from the speakers too. There was a generational speaker who talked about the differences in generations. So I was thinking about it relative to like our podcast. Um, and he, he had some, as one does. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, some terms, one of the things, or some, some conclusions and concepts. Um, one was that, you know, people say a certain generation, whether it's, millennials or Z's or Xers or whatever are entitled, entitled that we're increasingly feeling entitled. And he's like, no, that's not it at all. You don't, the generation isn't entitled. We're just impatient, impatient. And I thought that was a really good way to put it. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. um, we've grown so accustomed to demanding that everything is immediate and comes into our lap automatically. And, um, that's so true. And so it's hard to, and it's, and I'm thinking about where do you learn patience in life these days? Cause you've been working on it my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the answer is you learn it from hardship yeah. and you learn it from struggles yeah. and you yep. learn it from age. Um, and there's just some things that you have to just stick around a while before you can figure it out. But I do so, think, yeah, I noticed that a lot, even when, you know, you're on your computer and a tab takes five seconds to load instead of 0.5. And you're like, what the heck? This is so like dumb. <laughs> and then, you know, take it back to 20 years ago and five seconds was great <laughs> for something <laughs> loading. Um, and it's just wild what we have become accustomed to. But do you think patience to an extent 
is something that some people just have. Some have it more than others, perhaps. I think being a parent, of course, obviously teaches you a lot of patience because you're in this situation and circumstance that, you know, is, is so much bigger than you and you just have to deal with it and learn from it. Um, I, I, again, I think it's something that you do learn, learn over time and learn through hardship. And, um, like I remember you mentioned the technology and how fast things load. It made me think about when the internet first came online, which wasn't that long ago. It was like 1994. We were newly married and I got my first modem. Do you know, you know, it was like a dial up modem. You plug, plug your phone line into it. And I went to my first like web page and it literally took minutes for mm-hmm. the page to load. <laughs> and it and it loaded from the bottom to the top in kind of like a scrolling fashion. And you would see little glimpses of like, oh, there's a picture. And here's, oh, it's a it's a scene from a city. And it's you know, and you eventually loads. And, yeah. and I remember thinking, yeah, this is uh this is not working. You know, <laughs> this is gonna be <laughs> this could be really interesting one day, but it's just taking too darn long. Um, but you saw the glimpse of what was possible and that whole idea that you mean like theoretically we can connect to anywhere in the world through our screen and through our computer. It was just a mind blowing idea. And now it's like, if you're, if it's not a loading immediately, you're completely frustrated and you feel, you know, that it should. And now this is what I noticed so much. And again, I'm speaking with my own personal experience. But if something's taking a second to load, because we've had a lot of internet issues lately at my place because of the power issues. But if something's taking a second to load, my first instinct is to open my phone and to Hmm. go see what's on TikTok instead or go see what's on Instagram. You know what I mean? And I absolutely multitasking like that hurts my soul. Like I've tried to make it a... um, And I've talked about this before, but I've tried to make it a priority to not multitask. Um, And that's not saying I can't, you know, listen to music or be on the phone while I'm cooking or something like that. But just trying to eliminate watching a TV show while scrolling through Instagram, because that's something I know I do a lot and I know so many other people do. And I think it's detrimental. Like, I actually think it hurts my attention span. And I think that it takes away my patience. Yeah, it's the opposite of meditation because meditation is teaching you to quiet your mind and focus on one thing at a time. But I feel it too. I honestly, I, I, I feel like my addiction to technology is increasing in a really unhealthy way. And it's getting harder and harder for me to just sit quietly. And, I, and like you, that's something I'm actively noticing and wanting to address um, like with some urgency (laughs) because I know it's not healthy. And one of the ways I do that is um, when I go play disc golf now, I used to wear my earbuds and listen to podcasts and kind of like always be multitasking and stuff. And now I'm like, nope, I'm going to leave my phone in my bag quiet and just kind of be in the moment, at least enjoy like what I'm doing in the game, what I'm doing with the, um, uh, you know, the, the nature that's around me and the walking and, all of it, that's enough to take in. And that's what puts you at peace. That, that's where the relaxation is. So if you're doing something that's relaxing, but you're not allowing yourself to get relaxed, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's one of the reasons I really, like, enjoy showering. <laughs> because you can't bring your you, phone in the shower? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're on your own. <laughs> it's just you and your thoughts. And I find it really, really nice. I remember when we went through the Grand Canyon, you and Eddie, 
um, well, we all were without mm-hmm. internet for the better part of a week. And after the first and couple days, wonderful. yeah, you're just so grateful. And it was like being out of touch, guilt-free. Yeah. It was the best. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, just thinking, okay, what if I just leave my phone and I'm not on my phone for an entire day? Yeah. And it's it gets a tiny bit tricky because for me at least – there is work for most people, actually, your phone is how you work. Um, you know, you got to respond to email and everything like that. Um, and for me, like social media and, you know, whatever. But like just how peaceful that would be to just leave your phone, either grab a friend or go by yourself, like drive to the beach or something. And just let's do actually, it. I'd probably get lost. I'd, I'd definitely get lost. <laughs> Well, let's let's I'll make a commitment a to do more of that. This area, yeah, I, I think we should. I also was thinking about the the bags that we talked about one time on the podcast that you put your cell phones in the bags and they zip closed and you can't mm-hmm. get to them. And doing mm-hmm. something like that when you're having a family gathering or a, um, a party or something like that, where it's so tempting when you're in a conversation with someone and something comes up to say, oh, let me show you my, and it's without your phone, to show them a picture or something that's relevant to the conversation. But the moment it seems like the technology is introduced to the human connection, it just corrupts it a little bit or changes the nature of the the human connection. Um, And so anyway, just I'm paying a lot more attention to that because I don't like it and I I don't want to change it about my life. Same. The other thing I noticed is of people who are really successful, like when you have a chance to be around people who are super successful, they are not on their phone. Yeah. Like like they they, they keep that phone at a distance, which is very it's interesting. It's wild like driving. I'll get the <laughs> I I know a lot of people who do this and like all randomly get the urge where you're at a stoplight and I'm like, "Man, I kind of feel the need to go through all of Instagram right now. <laughs> like I have to know what's happening. What have I missed? And it's just, it's so dumb. Like it's not dumb. I, I really do like social media, um, but I don't like being addicted to anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So. All right. Well. Everything, not everything in moderation, but. <laughs> so here's a couple, here's a couple other terms um, from that seminar. Okay. Fundamental attribution error which sounds like a fancy term, but here's what it means. Situational excuses for your own behavior while ascribing others' behaviors to overarching characteristics or trends. So you know what? It's like like me being on my phone is like, oh, I, I have this thing that's really important I need to deal with. But when I see you on your phone or your generation mm-hmm. on your phone, it's like kids these days. Yeah. That, you know, and you can think about that relative to- yeah, relative to technology or like your personal temperament or any kind of behavior, really, it makes sense to you when you do it because you've got your excuse. Mm-hmm. But when you see somebody else do it, you have to ascribe it to a larger system. I thought that was interesting. All right, the next one is uh, there's just two more. The curse of knowledge. I thought this was interesting. Better informed people find it inc- extremely difficult to think about problems from the perspectives of lesser informed people. So once you know something, you can't think about that issue from someone else's perspective who doesn't know what you know. Do you understand that? You follow like me? Like you can't 
you can't empathize with them. Empathize, like- yeah. You can't empathize with them, and and it's almost like why don't they get this? And it's just a matter of they haven't learned it. And so it's a question of how do we share our knowledge, grow our knowledge, become more informed, but still like develop the ability to think of people, you know, who don't yet know that. And simple things. Like it's easy for me to think like um, the skills that I've learned throughout my career that everybody else knows that too, you know, relative Mm -hmm. to I expect people to be able to do certain things at a really high level when they just never learned it. I don't know. Yeah, I get yeah, that. Yeah, I think that when it, it comes back to patience, what we were talking about earlier, and that I am most impatient with family members, um, except for like my dad, because he had dementia. And so I could literally spend 30 minutes on the phone with him explaining to him what a remote control was and how to do that and just be you know, very positive and uplifting about, oh yeah, dad, it's really confusing. I think there's a red button. Do you see a red button? And I could spend 30 minutes doing that and be super patient because I know his capacity to understand has been greatly, you know, diminished. But then with family, like with the kids or with my husband, if they're not doing something that I know they know that they should do or could do how to do it, I become very impatient and and upset. But with strangers, we can be very patient. With people who have, you know, diminished understanding, <laughs> we can be very patient. But with family, I think we're the most impatient. Would you would you say so? Um, I think so. Yeah. Well, family always sees you at your worst because it's yeah, yeah I think it's just the capacity in which you know them. You know, yeah, like I they can, see you at, at I, your best, but it's just so much time. Also, the worst. Sorry, go ahead, Maggie. I didn't mean to No, 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 you. you're good. I just kind of the same thing of yeah. You, you it's yeah. <laughs> Retweet. Okay, so that's the curse of knowledge, and then the last one is declinism. Like everything's on the decline, which is you remember the past as better than it was, and expect the future <laughs> to be worse than evidence suggests it will be. Yes. The past was always better than the future, which is yeah. the reverse of, of of human history and technology. It's, it's and, a reverse on hope. It's yeah. it's a it's a mindset that completely eliminates the possibility or the need to have hope in life. Yeah. Which, if you don't That's have true. any hope, then yeah, your future is not going to be better than your past. You know what I mean? Exactly. And yet that's what's being fed to us like every day is that everything's awful. Everything's bad. Things are in trouble. And some of that's true. But like, you know, when you think about anxiety, anxiety is because I was researching this for the book, like literally fear of the future. And the opposite of that is, like you said, hope or aspiration. You're aspiring to something better. So you got to find ways to keep the hope in your life. And one of those ways is love, (laughs) which brings us to this question. And I'm really um, curious to hear what your thoughts might be on it, Maggie. But this is from Lisa, who's one of our listeners. And she asks, do you think there could be just one love in life or do you believe it's important to try out different relationships? Mm, Okay, so in this scenario, we are talking about the love of another human being, the act of being in love. The act of being in love, (sighs) of being, you know, finding your person... Is there just See, one one love in life, or do you believe it's important to try out different relationships? I and think, how, how do you? I guess the bigger question is, how do you find your love, and how do you know when you did? I'm so split on this because if you ask me, like since I was 
15 asking me this question, I would always say, and I would even, oh my gosh, I remember telling friends this, just saying, don't marry the first guy you date. Like, don't, don't do that. Date to learn how to date, kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, date to find out what you desire in a partner and what you it just how you function, how you work, and you're going to change and grow, and you'll change and grow in relationships. Um, however, <laughs> <laughs> I now have multiple friends who are going to marry the first guy they dated, and I'm so happy for them, and I think they're great for each other. And, uh, like, if you asked me five years ago, I probably would have said, no, 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 just – Break up, <laughs> break up, have some time apart. I do think it's important to be single, at least for a period of time in your adulthood. I really, really do. Yes, um, but, you know, that's not really something you tell them now. Um, I, I guess you just say it on the podcast and wait for them to hear it. But it's it's one of those things where I fully believe they're going to have a great marriage. Yes. And so I think for some people that works – if I married the first guy I dated, I think I would be in a very bad position. And I also do believe that you can be in love multiple times, but I have no clue. And this is where I can fully delegate this to you, dad. I have no clue how you know this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Well, I'll help you with that, Maggie, because I have the exact answer. (laughs) Um, 10 words or less. Go. (laughs) Call dad uh, and he'll check him out. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. No, no. Um, I don't know. I, I have some good thoughts on this too because like you, I think that a lot of people are really, really happy. I have some of my best friends have been dating since high school and it was their sweetheart and they are still, you know, so much deeply in love and they care for each other. Um, and, you know, I think about it like shopping for cars. We were talking about cars earlier Several times in my life, I, when I've gone shopping for a car, I think it's going to be a long, complicated, difficult process or house. Like when we looked, looked at houses or whatever. And you look at the first house or the first car and you're like, oh, I really love this. But you know what? I love it so much. I'll probably love a lot of other things too. And you kind of talk yourself out of it a little bit. Keep that. You hit the brakes. You break that momentum. And then, any long story short, I go back and I buy the first car. If I can't, you know, and so it's like, I found it right away. I just didn't know I had it. So I think that definitely happens in life. And there's something about momentum. And, you know, I think this is one of the challenges to your encountering Maggie, because this is a tendency not to, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I've, I've observed for you that when things start to build momentum on their own, and I think that when you feel like it's taking you somewhere, your tendency might be to pump the brakes a little bit and say, well, wait, oh, yeah, whoa, whoa. For sure. Yeah. I get and scared. So you get scared. And that's relative to relationships or even like, you know, where things are going in your career or whatever. It's like, hold on a second. And that kind of holds back the possibilities of bountiful goodness to flow in your life to some degree. I mean, it's a it's a very tricky balance. But um the way the more you can put yourself into that clarity about I, I know what I love, I know what who I love, I know the kind of person I'm looking for, then you can kind of go with it and see where it takes you and enjoy the ride. It's staying alert for signals 
that things might be wrong, but not throwing those signals up yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Self-sabotage. Self-sabotage for sure. Which Um, is not, it's not always the case for me, but I definitely do. Yeah. That is a tendency in my life. (laughs) Well, it's a tendency for a lot of people and me too in some ways, but the, um, I can only talk about love from the standpoint of my own experiences with like on any of us, you know, and that's a very small sample. <laughs> it's, it's like my own experiences um, because yeah. I'm not a, I don't study this exactly, but um, I agree that I think that there are, um, there are people in your life, the whole notion of like the Disney princess they met and they were the only people in the whole world for each other and they somehow found each other and because of that they're going to be happy for the rest of their lives that's not how relationships work um there is definitely a sense of compatibility and care and and uh, this person treats me well and validates who i am as a human being and they make, they make me feel better when i'm with them they make me feel more like me right yeah and not like less than me or not like I'm trying to become someone else to make them happy, but they've found a way to unlock my, my character. And it's like, it's easy with them. I think that's a really good clue that you're with somebody who's a really great fit for you. Um, would you agree with that, babe? Yeah. And I think, um, another key thing is how they treat their parents. Yeah. Do they have a good respectful relationship with their parents? Because if they don't, Hmm. You know, and they may end up not having, not treating you with the respect you deserve. And sometimes it's, other factors can be at play in situations like that. Like if they don't have a good relationship with their parents, you know, it's not necessarily their fault. But I totally get what you're saying, Mama. That was something I was always told growing up was, um, how does he talk to his mom? Like yep. how mm-hmm. is he is he sweet to his mom? Because if he's not sweet to his mom. <laughs> Probably not going to be sweet to you. <laughs> yep. So, so that's how you know that it's a good fit. Now, now, here's the distinction: is like, is there the person who's the perfect fit, or even when you're with somebody who feels like a fit, are you holding out, hoping for a better fit, right? And so that's the tricky part because I think that um, in life, I probably believe that multiple paths, multiple decisions, multiple random encounters and chances that people could be happy and live a fulfilled life with with a with one partner or with another partner provided that they're the uh, that they bring out each other's strengths you know um but at some point i'm just going to talk about you babe and our relationship because we were you know we've talked before about how she walked in the room and i felt it like i knew that there was something there almost like i recognized her and so there was that immediate feeling of like pay attention And then the more we got to talk and the more we got into each other's lives, the more fun it was, the more easy it was, the more natural it was. The more I learned about you as I dated you, um, I I noticed that, you know, you spent a lot of time telling me about your previous relationship. My ex, yeah. Your ex, who was just awful. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure he was a great human being on some levels, but he treated you (laughs) terribly and you put up with so much in that relationship and it's i remember forgiving <laughs> and i remember thinking man there's just no way i'm ever ever going to do any of that to her so and she put up with all of that this is going to be easy like i, I can't possibly <laughs> oh go God. wrong um and and, yeah. and upset this woman because she's amazing 
Um, <laughs> and so he had lowered the bar sufficiently <laughs> that it was easy for me to jump over it. But I do remember a moment where it's like, okay, am I going to ask you to marry me? Mm-hmm. Like, is this the one person for the rest of my life? Because that's a big thing to think about in your brain. It's yeah. like, it's like, no, I'm going to stop the whole dating thing whatsoever. Check that box and say, I'm done. Moving on. Um, and ultimately, it was just a question of there was no reason not to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we both knew. We both knew, and it that- and and it was like in our relationship, the course of time. It was like if we were going to continue going down that track and not propose just because the age we were at or whatever, it was like, it was like, what are you doing? Like, like you're denying what's obvious and real. Um, Yeah. It was time to merge our, our lives. (laughs) And and then when you do, when you have a partner in life that you are so invested in each other's success and you've merged into the one thing and you're in it for each other, man, it does simplify your life. It takes so much it's just insanity off the plate. It adds some other insanity for sure. <laughs> but but it, it for us at least, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, but to Lisa's question, like why would you, if you are if you found the love of your life, why would you go, no, I'm gonna go see if there's somebody else I can fall in love with? You know, why would you why would you jeopardize that? Um, so many relationships you you hear about, you know, that they regret it. You know, they, they made a mistake. They should have stayed with this person. And, uh, but they, you know, the grass is always greener and it's not. If you found the love of your life, you know, you're, you're so, always about improving your marriage, improving yourself. Cause if you're improving yourself, you're a better spouse Yeah, yeah. and, um, it just makes for a better marriage. Well, her question was also about dating. You know, we don't want to get ahead to marriage, but because I do think it's important to date a bunch of different, like to date people and that's where you're at maggie right and you're in your life is you're like i've got to find what you know examples but also (laughs) like you were talking about being you know when you're 15 you are not the person when you're 30 that you were when you were 15 so if you are with somebody that you knew back then it's really important that both of you are growing and supporting each other and not stuck you know, one person doesn't grow up and because the, the marriage has to or the relationship has to evolve with with age. One thing that I struggle with in dating a lot is, and I know I've told both of you this before, is I never want to feel like less of my own person with someone else. Yeah. I want to feel like, oh, we're two great humans who just happen to be, you know, dating, doing life together, whatever. But I absolutely hate the feeling of feeling like less than myself because I'm with someone else. Sure. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's why I think it is. That's one of the reasons why I say I think you should be single for a period of time in your adulthood, because I think it's important to get to know who you are without anyone else, like, you know, by yourself so you can truly be your own person coming together with another person who is also their own person, two independent people coming together. Yes. And just to observe, you're not just trying to get to know yourself. Like you are actively exploring your faith and friendships and community and the, and personal fitness and, um, you know, like the, the, the real serious stuff about how to get your car fixed, how to mm-hmm. run a business. 
um, you're you're doing life right now, which gives you this skill set, gr- this great <laughs> skill set, and a compliment of like who you are that, that you can bring to a relationship. So yeah, so you you can't be in be with somebody who wants you to give up, give any of that up, yeah. or or change it to accommodate them. Um, you'll naturally want to accommodate them and for sure and let them be a part of your life if it's the right person. So. That's a lot of uh, ideas around that subject. I mm-hmm. hope it was helpful to you, Lisa. Yeah. Hey, I um I read an interesting article today. Okay. What is um, it? I was with a friend, and this is a really cool part about having friends whose birthdays are online is you can just Google their birthdays. <laughs> um, but he Googled my birthday, and this article came up. And let me just read you the headline of the article. About Family you? selling no just just listen to the article. Okay, all right. <laughs> Family selling daughter's childhood home lets her do the one daredevil thing she's always wanted to do. Underneath it says mom was not happy, but we think dad may have wanted to try. Shall I keep <laughs> reading? <laughs> oh my I'm gosh. Just, I'm just going to read a little bit. You ready? Yeah, this is from right. our TikTok. So yeah. we actually did this TikTok. <laughs> In our old home before we put oh, it on the market. They, they include the video. <laughs> oh, I figured. Like, that's the whole basis. Go ahead. Selling the family childhood home is never an easy process, and there will be plenty of times that you will look back on time spent and memories made there in both fondness and sadness. But some pretty unusual and even cool things can be done once the house is sold. One thing, trying out that one daredevil stunt you were never allowed to attempt while still living there. And they link the video. This situation is precisely what Maggie Thurman, a.k.a. Mags, found herself in when her mom and her dad sold her childhood home. While definitely sad, there was also the idea that Mags could finally live all her Spider-Man childhood dreams. (laughs) It goes on for paragraphs. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's, that's incredible. And this Where was on, this written? Yeah, Den Just Garden. On the internet? Den Garden, okay. Home and Garden News, Decks and Patios, and Gardening. I have no idea why we're on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so, it was inside. It was written by Courtney Borman on August 10th, 2022. How did you find that? I told he, you, it was, it was just under news birthday. articles when my friend Googled me or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's cool. crazy. That is so wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. Absolutely. Got a big kick out of it. We were at, um, I had a speech today as well. So we had three on the road last week and then one in the studio today. And mom, because she's still under the weather from something, not COVID, not COVID, <laughs> not strep. She's seen a doctor. Um, and I don't feel bad. I think part of why I don't feel bad is because of my speaking. I'm convinced when I go on stage and go through those moments and all that adrenaline, it like flushes all the crap out of my system. Okay, probably not. But when we left California, we took different flights, so we were subject to different germs. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, we'll (laughs) see. Um, But no, and then today's was a studio speech, and Stephanie was there, and not mom, mom though, because mom was sick. But we had some in-studio guests. My parents were there and a childhood friend, Andy Kasherik. You know Andy. Um, and he was, I've known him since I was a little kid. Kind of a crazy story in our lives. He was um, 
I think a friend <laughs> yeah, of Wendy's. How, how exactly? <laughs> <laughs> so I, what I understand is that he was very interested in my sister, Wendy, that they dated for a short period of time. And then they realized that wasn't going to work out. But by that point, Andy was like, I really like this family. I think I'm going <laughs> to still keep hanging around and just be friends. And, um, you know, like we've talked about in the podcast a couple of times is like, if, if something, if you're finding another family or another situation, a group of friends or whatever, where, where you like how behavior is being modeled or how people are treating each other or just kind of what's going on, you can kind of like adopt a new family. And Andy had a family and he had a family that loved him and <laughs> still does, <laughs> but, but just, it was, it was different. Like, you know, and, and he loved the, the spirit of joy and play. And so he was always at our games nights and, um, you know, we took a special interest in him and his life and, and, you know, kind of where he was in his, in his journey. Um, and so he's just been a lifelong friend, you know, forever. And he really is part of the family. In fact, when we had our family vacation to Florida, <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy and his wife, Tracy came down for that as well. So that was and really kids. amazing yeah. and their kids. Um, so yeah. And you did grandma camp with their daughters. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, it's basically like the, uh, the, the uncle you never had, or the uncle you yeah. did have, who's not really an uncle. <laughs> <laughs> so you have he a was lot there. of those. I, I do. He was there at the speech. Yes, yes. And it was just awesome. It was like an hour-long speech followed by Q&A that just kept going on and on and on. People mm -hmm. wanted to know more. And um, and it just it was fun to flex the studio because the studio is like, we're really proud of like how we put it all together um, and just it's always more real when other people see it, you know, and see what we've created and what we did. And, um, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sorry. I missed that. Me too. Me too. And it's, and I think some, definitely some things were harder when you weren't there. Mom's the, normally the one who throws in the balls and she's got the timing <laughs> down perfectly. Yeah. I do all the tricks behind the scenes. Yeah. All the tricks, but, uh, it was, it was great. No, that's, that's about it. That's all I wanted to share there. Man. Do you get nervous? Um, you know, you. I feel like you thrive under other people being there. I I do thrive. It's it's a different feeling. Like anytime there's a variable that's different, um, you know, every time before speech, you get nervous a little bit. You get a frequency of like vibration in your body. But when situations are changed, that's just a slightly different frequency. And if you don't anticipate that it's going to be different, it could really freak you out. So I knew it was going to be weird for me because I wanted to do well with my parents there and with Andy there. Um, but I also know like once I get in it, I'm in my element and it's like, no, I got this. Um, but it's weird getting ready to go on stage in front of a live audience is very different for me um, than going on stage in front of a virtual audience. Because I feel like, you know, the introduction's coming. Understandably. Yeah, it reminded me of like when I did that Neil Cavuto interview um, mm -hmm. to talk about something at one point. It's like they're counting you into this. It's like a train's coming at you and nothing's going to stop it. You just don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be here at this certain moment in time and then you just go. But it's hard. It's much harder to gauge how things are going to feel uh, than it is with the live audience. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you crushed it. Thank you. Thank you. And now we got a few days to uh, recover and get well. Yes. And speaking of audiences, if you haven't subscribed. Yes, please do. Please subscribe to the, the Wholesome Chaos <laughs> podcast. You can go out to the website, ask a question, suggest a topic, and then just keep tuning in. We love that you're part of the family.
hopefully you guys have enjoyed this pastime hanging out with us. And if you think you have people in your life who would also enjoy this, send them the podcast. Listen to it together. Whatever whatever you guys want to do. We love being a part of your lives and you guys are a huge part of ours. So thanks for hanging out. Absolutely. Well, we love you, Maggie. I love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Dad, take care of mom. I, <laughs> and mom, I will. take care of dad. <laughs> That's our job, right, honey? Yep. And we love you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a great week. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Max and Dads, wholesome chaos. Max and Dads, wholesome chaos. Do you guys want to know something really funny? Yeah. Always. My friend Jenna Sterling and I, we were at coffee the other day. And Jenna is in a serious relationship with her boyfriend. And Sterling and I are single. And we have a couple's trip planned. What? <laughs> we, we were like, oh, man, wouldn't it be so fun to all, like, go do this? And we were like, who would we want there? And we said, of course, her boyfriend. But then we're like, well, what if we brought our boyfriends that we don't have? Um, so now we have a we have a couple trips on – we have a couple trip on the, on the books. Um, are you the couple, you and her? Or are you, no, are you no, no, on no. the hook? It, it, to find that somebody is, to go. <laughs> the the two other invites are TBD. <laughs> well, how much time do you have? We have like six months. Oh yeah, you got time. But it I don't. Sounds wanna... like the premise to that movie with Aubrey Plaza and where they had to go on a wedding date and and brought some girls with them. Oh, I don't know. Mike and Dave. Yeah, wedding dates or whatever it is. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Don't do that. Look at that. No, yeah, I, I don't want pressure. I, see, now this isn't even going to work because, like, imagine I find love in these next six months and then he decides to listen to the podcast and then he <laughs> thinks I only wanted him as a, as a plus one. No, it just means it was a, a serendipitous moment that was meant to be. Or maybe not. Yeah. Or, so or are, it's are just you, a friend's trip instead you, of a couple's trip. Is there an application process for this or how, do you, oh how are you gosh, working no. out? No, I, I, I'm, I'm alone for a while. I, I'm going to be single for a while. <laughs> for like five and a half months, I think I need to be single. <laughs>